Well, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here. Glad you're with us on this summer day. Um, now, maybe it's just my opinion, but summer's not what it used to be. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember summer being longer, right? We had, we had pretty much three full months, um, and we'd hop on our bikes and ride to 7-Eleven, get Slurpees, uh, get candy, go to the, I mean, that's just what we did. It was kind of chill. Here's an example. Our family, there's four of us at church today, three cars. What the heck, right? Because we're going all different directions. We're, we're busy. And maybe you're like that too. Yeah, we took the kid to volleyball, then to swimming, you know, then to whatever else, and then to that, and, and going all different directions. Now, here's the question, though. We're all busy, and we always complain about it. What is the engine that drives our lives? The, the decisions we make to do all these things or, or not do, what is the engine that drives those? Let me put towards you that the engine that drives our decisions is hope. Our hopes drive all these things that we do, right? So why do we do all this stuff for our kids to go to school, right, to get a good education? Well, we have a hope that they will learn. We have, we have a hope that they will become good, useful adults, similar with, with sports. Why do we put the work into our kids going to sports? Well, there's, there's a hope that they'll be well-rounded, right, good, good citizens. They'll learn how to be in relationships, things like that. Why do we work hard, right, to, to get a promotion. Well, there's some, some hope, a, a hope of success, a hope of financial growth, all these things. And these aren't bad hopes. You might've been waiting for me to drop the bomb. This is all bad hope. No, we have to hope in money because guess what? That, that pays the bills. The question I have though is what happens when our hopes, and, and I would call these general hopes, become ultimate hopes, right? The hopes drive us. And these are things that we need to hope, they're good. But when the, the general hopes become the ultimate hope, things go astray. astray. There's a, it's kind of like the check engine light in our life. Uh, check engine light of, of anger, right? You, you see anger coming up in you. Ooh, check engine light. My hopes might be misplaced. Uh, stress, anxiety. You know, they, oh, what am I afraid of? Some, something coming up in here. Ooh, check engine light. Maybe your hope is in, in the wrong place. Maybe you find yourself in a relationship. You're, you're starting to try and manipulate. And, and these things, these are, again, check engine lights that pop on to tell you that the engine driving your life might be off a little bit. And again, general hopes are good, but ultimate hope, we only have one. And the ultimate hope for the believer has been the same for 2,000 years. What is that? Well, we are finishing up the creed this week, the Apostles' Creed, which was written almost 2,000 years ago, a little less. But the final sentence that we're going to look at is this. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The hope of the Christian for 2,000 years has been the resurrection from the dead and the life everlasting. And, and I'll be honest, it's, it's interesting that this has been lost somewhat um, in, in complete circles within the, the church, you know, those that claim to be Christian. They don't even talk about the resurrection, don't even think about the resurrection, but it has been our hope for 2,000 years, and the writers of the creed saw the need to put it down, right? To, to clarify, again, the creed clarifies for us what does it mean to be a true Jesus follower? What are those things that are necessary for us to believe. Now, as we've gone through the creed, we've said the creed is not the authority. Scripture is the authority. 
The creed simply is clarifying and narrowing down what scripture says. Um, so we started out eight weeks ago and talked about how do we trust the Bible. Well, we finally have these cool Bible reliability booklets and they're out there. So if you're curious, where do we get all this from? Well, we get it from the Bible and we can trust the Bible. So if you're curious about how to trust the Bible, grab one of those on your way out, um, share it with somebody else who says, I'm not sure I can trust the Bible. This is our authority. But we're gonna begin with the creed and it says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. You know, two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus going through hell, not going to hell, but going through hell to take the punishment we deserved so we could be forgiven. So here's my first question. Do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? Really? Do you have maybe some, some shame over past sins? Are, are there some things in your life still kind of hanging on? Maybe you need to understand the true, full forgiveness. That when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of our sin. And when we place our faith in him, he says, forgiven. He makes us righteous. There's not other things we have to do, right? I know there's certain branches in, in Catholicism. Like you're mostly forgiven in Jesus, but you also have to do this. You also have to go to confession. You also have to make sure you go to, ma or, or these other things added in to, oh, I'm, now I'm really forgiven. No, we need to understand we are completely forgiven, Every Jesus follower is completely forgiven for every sin because Jesus took the punishment we deserved. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the forgiveness aspect, but do you believe that? Or do you think maybe you're the exception? You, you have this one thing in your path that's just, it's too bad, right? It's too extreme. God can't forgive that. That's kind of a, a form of pride, actually. You can be forgiven. You are forgiven for everything because of Jesus. Uh, Acts 2, 37 and 38, it'll be on the screen. Preston referred to this uh, passage last week, talking about the Holy Spirit. But let's look at this again. It says, now when they heard this, meaning the gospel, the true gospel, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Last week was great. We looked at the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do, right? His job of, of kind of guiding us through this spiritual life while here. But here we see that before receiving that is the forgiveness of sins. When we confess our faith in Jesus, we repent, meaning I don't want to go this way anymore. I want to go this way. It's not perfection, right? right? If we took a hands of who's perfect, nobody would raise their hands unless they're a liar, which means they're not perfect, right? But we repent, meaning we turn from, from sin to Christ and we are forgiven. Now, again, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this part, but what is the sign that a Christian really understands their forgiveness? They become very forgiving. As forgiven people, we are forgiving people. Because when we understand our filthiness in sin, we really appreciate God's grace. And when we really appreciate God's grace shown to us, we are quick to show that grace to others, quick to forgive others. Last verse on this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who's faithful? He's faithful. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. Do you believe it? Because it's in the creed, so you have to believe it. 
All right. Now, we're forgiven. We live in that forgiveness. There's so much peace and joy that comes from that, right? These past things, you know, God has taken a whiteout, right? And, and they're done. So we can forget about that and move on. So what's next? Well, in the creed, it says we believe in the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body. The resurrection of the body. So we have another uh, slide here, a picture. Maybe this is what you thought heaven was going to be like. <laughs> right? He, he's got wings and a halo and he's sitting on a cloud and he's bored. And I'll be honest, growing up, uh, and I've shared this before, I did kind of have this idea of heaven that it was going to be a boring church service in the clouds forever. Um, and that's the picture we get from media, right? And, and popular ideas and things like that. That's the picture we get, but that's not the Bible's picture of eternity. So really good news. This is not going to be heaven. There you go. Well, uh, we're not going to have wings, you're not going to be an angel. I, I know some people, oh, we're going to become angels. We're, we're not going to become angels. We can take that off now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, right? We're not going to be angels. We're not going to be singing forever. I do think we're going to be singing some. And I think that's going to be great. And some of you are going to have good voices then to sing. <laughs> um, but here's, here's what we're looking at in the creed. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection of the body. This is really important. So turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you, and it's going to be page 1064. Uh, 1 Corinthians, it's about here it, in the Bible. It was written by a, a guy named Paul who met the risen Jesus, and he's writing it to a church uh, that is struggling uh, it's interesting as we read the, the epistles in the New Testament, it's, we're getting like one side of a phone call, right? The Corinthian church had a bunch of issues and they had asked him about it. It looks like they had a letter and he's responding to that. And as he's responding here, he spends a whole chapter on this idea of resurrection. And we're going to pick it up in 1 Corinthians 15, 35. And we are going to skip around in chapter 15 a little bit, but if we just read through the whole thing, that'd be really long. So 1 Corinthians 15... Again, it's page 1064 in the Bible in front of you. Starting in verse 35, 1535. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed is sown its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. What do we see here? 
a resurrected body. Now, don't be confused as you see that and you go, oh, it says spiritual body and natural body. Spiritual body does not mean not physical, right? It, it means spiritual. I mean, Jesus was risen with a spiritual body, which was also physical. Uh, if you remember Jesus, before he died and rose from the dead, he had a good friend who died named Lazarus. Uh, and he waited a few days for him to be in the grave and, and get a little stinky. Um, and because that's what actually his sister said, because, you know, Jesus came, said, roll away the tone. He's like, but Lord, he stinketh. Um, he said, doesn't matter, roll it away. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus was raised from the dead, right? He came out bound like this. And he said, somebody go on. I mean, he was probably hopping out. Anyway, Lazarus was risen from the dead, but he was resuscitated. He, he was, he's one of those people that got to die twice. He died. Jesus rose him. He died again. That's not the same as our future resurrection. We will not be resuscitated, if that makes sense. We will have a different kind of body. It, it says a spiritual body. So it will be physical, but it will be different. But here's the big point. We will spend eternity in new bodies that are both spiritual and physical, meaning we will not be ghosts. We will not be ghosts. Anybody had a friend or maybe you like, oh, we have a ghost in our house? No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, you don't have somebody that died in the house before and their spirit is remaining. That's not how it works. When somebody dies, their spirit immediately either goes to be with the Lord or goes to the place we call hell uh, of judgment. So there, there are no human spirits wandering around. Now there are demons, there are angels who are spiritual, who are here right? That we cannot see. So that is true. But, but we don't become ghosts. We don't linger around, right? We will be physical forever. Now, I want to look at this new body a little bit. Um, look at verse, uh, what, 40? Well, 49 first. We'll skip forward a little bit. It says, just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. The man of dust is Adam. If you remember at the beginning of creation, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, God creates man and woman. He creates man out of dirt. So man, you're, you're dirt, right? He grabbed dust. He formed the man and he breathed life. I mean, it's a very beautiful, intimate picture of God creating humanity, very hands-on. Everything else he spoke, man he created with his hands. But he was made out of dirt, right? The second Adam is Jesus, right? Jesus, who is eternal, we already saw that in the creed and in scripture, right? He always existed. He was the agent of creation in Genesis 1. He took on a body, a natural body. He died. He rose from the dead, a spiritual body. And our body will be like his body. That's what we see there in 49 and elsewhere in scripture. Our bodies will be similar to his. We, we know Jesus ate. He ate with the disciples. They touched him. He had some scars, so there's some idea, we get an idea, but we don't know fully, to be honest, what our bodies are going to be like, but we know that they will be physical. And here's something else we know. They will be imperishable. You see that here? They will be imperishable. Now, this is kind of sad, but you know the first thing that popped into my head? We're going to be like Twinkies. <laughs> imperishable, right? I mean, you watch, you watch all these movies, and it's like a thousand years after humanity, and they still find Twinkies they can eat right? But that's going to be us. We will be imperishable. Think about that. Our bodies will not break down, right? Some of you are on the grow. 
right? Some of you, I, I see Sawyer over there, you know, AJ, some of you, you're still growing, right? You're growing up. Some of you are in your prime. I'm not going to point any fingers. Maybe Jeremy, um, right? Some, some of us are on the way down, right? And, and our bodies are starting to fail. I, I have surgery coming for arthritis in my shoulder, really, um, right? I, I've torn both of my meniscus. I, you know, I have these aches and pains, and, and I'm only 44. I know some of you are looking at me like, shut up. Um, <laughs> you have no idea what's to come. But, but I have a glimpse, right? Our bodies are breaking down. They are. And every single body will break down because we are perishable. That's part of being life. Ezra, you got to hurt this week, right? Darn it. That's, that's, a, that's, that's part. But here's, here's the good news. All that will be healed. Our, our bodies will be imperishable. You know, I don't fully understand this. I'll be honest. Because some of the excitement in life is adventure with the risk of danger. We won't have that, right? I mean, like, will we bounce? I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But we will be imperishable. That is really good news. We'll be whole, right? No pain, no suffering. Here's something else. It says here, our new body will be glorified, right? Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. What's that mean, right? Dishonor. So although we are forgiven in Christ and we are, we are called saints, right? We belong to him. We are forgiven. We still live in these bodies that still have a propensity to sin, right? Meaning there's still dishonor here. Someday that's going to be gone. I can't wait, right? The curse is going to be removed. So all that sin you're struggling with or, or there's old, all that, gone, raised in glory. Glory means there's no sin. I mean, that actually gives me chills. So there's no sin. There's no stain. It also means beauty. So there's an idea of beauty risen. Uh, there's a great book. Um, the Great Divorce, written by C.S. Lewis a long time ago. And I love the picture, uh, these, these spirits, it's not true, it's not biblical, but they get this idea, they go to the fringes of heaven and some saints who have died and kind of have their new bodies come down from a mountain to meet them. And the way he describes, it's just beautiful. Like, I can't, there is gender still, so I can tell a man from a woman, but I can't tell the age. They could be 20, they could be, I can't tell. Oh, they look so strong. They could be clothed or naked, but but the clothed ones aren't naked and the naked ones aren't clothed. Oh, and just the way he described it, this, this glory, right, that, that shines, that's going to be us. How awesome, right? I can't wait. But our bodies, again, they will be glorified. The sin of the, cur or the curse because of sin will be gone. The body will be changed. But guess what? There is continuity between this body and that body. This is very important. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, his body was no longer in the grave. His body rose. His physical, the natural body, this body, right? This one will die. This body will rise, but it will change. It will be different. The example that we just read about is of a, a seed. So here's, here's the example I have is a sunflower seed. We plant a lot of these, and they don't all grow, but the ones that do are awesome. Check out this picture right? How beautiful is that? One little seed, which is, I mean, it's kind of ugly, it's delicious with salt, but right? I mean, it's, it's nothing. This is like our physical body. I mean, honestly, kind of brittle, kind of, but it turns into something like that. I mean, that's, that's incomparable. That's glory, right? That's what it's talking about, but it's consistent. So this doesn't disappear and that appears. This 
becomes that. That's the idea that, that Paul is trying to tell us here. This, it's like a seed, and, it's plant, and it will be grown into that. Awesome. Awesome. That's the idea. All because, again, let's go, all because Jesus went through hell for us. All because Jesus went to that cross. First he took on flesh, then he went to the cross for us so that we could get that. My goodness. Do you just feel a little bit of God's grace? A little bit of his mercy? Go back to the forgiveness thing. I'm forgiven and then I get that. What, what would I not forgive, right? right? How selfish am I in this life when I look at that? So we will spend these inter- eternities in new bodies, spiritual, physical, they will be imperishable. They will be glorified, sinless, and beautiful. Now, here's partly why the creed was written. Um, there were those in that time teaching that the, the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. The Gnostics and others were teaching that. There's, that idea has kind of continued even to now. The idea that the physical is bad. Guess what? The physical is not bad. Physical is good. God created it and he said, that's good. It's broken by sin. God's going to fix that. The, the story of the Bible is about redemption, right? The, the story of the Bible is about us messing it up and God restoring and renewing. That's what he's going to do. He's going to restore and renew. But again, it will be physical because physical is good. Now, a side note that I, I kind of felt called to, to share here. Because of this hope for 2,000 years, what have Christians typically done with the dead? We've typically buried our dead. The idea of cremation is, is new and, and pagan, and I'm not saying it's wrong. Like, if you've done that, I'm not saying there's Because God can turn ashes into a body, right? Uh, but this is why early on they would burn Christians at the stake because their hope was in the resurrection of the dead. They're like, well, we're going to burn their body. There's no body to raise. So even those against Christians at the beginning knew our hope of a physical resurrection. This body transformed into another one. So the idea of burial, which has been the tradition, by the way, it was the Jewish tradition, right? And Christians are just completed Jews. That tradition continued in because of a respect for the body. I remember when I was nine, my grandpa died. And I remember walking by the casket and looking at him um, and, and, and touching him when nobody was looking, right? And there was the peace. And you hear this all the time. That's not him anymore. That's not him. He's gone. He's gone. That's true, but not completely true. Because the body is good. And in the resurrection, that body of my grandpa's that is right now in the ground in Colorado, that body is going to rise and it's going to be transformed. So there's a, a piece of respect and honor that Christians have felt since the beginning why we've buried our dead. Uh, and by the way, historically, cremation has moved, Christians have moved toward cremation as they've moved away from understanding the hope of the resurrection. Those have gone hand in hand, right? Um, again, I'm not saying... Cremation's always bad, or, or, or that's been the wrong choice. If you've made, I'm not saying that at all. God is beyond that, and those ashes will turn into a body. But I hope that when I die, I'm buried, because there's an aspect of respect and honor for that body that God created that will be transformed. So there's my side note rant. Um, we can talk more about that later. But here's the important part. The early church fathers wrote the Apostles' Creed to clarify the biblical truth of resurrection and the requirement that a true Jesus follower must believe it. Here's my point. This is not a secondary doctrine. This is not one of those things that you can take it or leave it. Oh, I don't really understand it. I don't really believe in the spiritual realm. No, 
We have to accept this. How do I know? Uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. So probably one page over. Look at verse 12. Paul writes, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is not true, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all most people to be pitied. That last one, I kind of starred, right? If there is no resurrection, then Jesus wasn't raised. And if Jesus, Jesus wasn't raised, all this is out right? We, we misrepresent God. We don't understand, and we're still in our sin. Meaning, those of us who have died believing this are, are done and gone. That's the truth. We must accept the resurrection from the dead because Jesus was risen. We will rise. Our ultimate hope is in the resurrection of the body when Jesus returns. That's when it's going to happen. If you want to know when, it's when Jesus comes back. When's that going to be? Nobody knows. Nobody knows, but the point is we live as if it could be any moment. Could be any moment. And we believe that. Again, our ultimate hope is in the resurrection of the body. Did you know that not everyone will die? This is cool. <laughs> Look over real quick at verse 50, 1550. It says, I tell you this, brothers, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is your sting? O or death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? When Jesus returns, those alive will get their new bodies like that. I can't wait. I hope that's me, right? But I love how this is finished. He, he, he points to this hope. And this truth, but it finishes verse 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Death in this life, right? Everybody's gonna die unless Christ returns. Everybody has dealt with loved ones that die. Paul is kind of, I mean, it looks like taunting, right? Talking trash a little bit to death. Oh, death, where is your victory? You will lose in the end. Oh, death, where is your sting? Because we will rise from the dead. Again, when our ultimate hope is not placed on things in this life or general hopes, but in the future, it changes how we live now. Again, think about that. What, what are, what are the, the anxieties, uh, the, the things in your life that are the check engine light, right? The th where fear comes up or stress. Here, here's one you're not gonna like. The last two elections 
Did you feel any anger or fear in those? If so, there's a little check engine light. Your hope might have been in the wrong place. Scripture is very clear. God sets up and takes down kingdoms and kings, presidents, leaders, right? So again, we vote, we go through the, but those things shouldn't cause us anxiety. They shouldn't cause us anger. I mean, so many Christians have gotten angry, right? And you see it all over online, Christians that are angry. Check engine light, what's your hope in? When our hope is in the future, when our hope is in God's kingdom, these things come and go. And yeah, we might not like everything that happens, but that's not where our hope is, right? Do you have hope in a relationship and you find yourself trying to kind of manipulate? Maybe you're smothering somebody because you want too much out of them and they can't fulfill. That's, that's a misplaced hope. Our hope is in the resurrection of the dead and in life everlasting. So we're gonna finish with life everlasting, which is what hope realized, right? Our hope now we're looking for, our hope is going to be realized. So now turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, which if you're using the Bible in front of you, is page 1,143, 1,143. Revelation 21. And this will finish up the Apostles' Creed as it talks about the life everlasting. We're just going to look at the first seven verses, Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Wow. Verse six, this just stuck out to me even right now. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I, it's all about him. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we do to make this happen. It's all about him. He says, I am the alpha and the omega, and I love you so much. I became a man. I died for you, rose from the dead, went through hell so that you could go through heaven, so that you could be resurrected from the dead. Look at this. It talks about the new heaven and the new earth. What is heaven? Very simply, heaven is where God dwells, right? That's, that's where God is in his most significance, right? In heaven. When Jesus died on the cross, he told the thief next to him, right? Today you will be with me in paradise. To be apart from the body, written elsewhere, is to be present with the Lord. So if you die here, your spirit goes to be with the Lord. That's, that's heaven, absolutely. That's a real place. When Jesus comes back, that heaven and earth will collide, right? New heaven, new earth. What's heaven? The place where God dwells. What's earth? The place where we dwell, the place where there's, it's physical. Those will come together. 
new heaven, new earth. Do we fully understand that? Not even close. I, I mean, we can be very open with that. We don't fully understand what that's going to be like. We don't. But it's going to be physical. It's going to be more like what we see here than not like what we see here. But we will be with God, with his glory. How awesome will that be? Again, in the presence of God, without sin, all the things that cause us shame right now, gone. We will be able to be before our God and bow and worship and sing. For eternity, our hope will be realized. We will no longer suffer, but we will live. We will live. Again, hope realized. Faith becomes sight. What's he say in verse 4? He's going to wipe away every tear. Every tear. Right? No more mourning. Guess what? In this life we mourn. People die. People have abused us. People have hurt us. We go through these things. It is right to mourn. Right? Have you ever been in a situation there? You've lost somebody or, or somebody has cancer. And every, oh, it's no big deal. What? No, it is a big deal. It's bad. Right? These things hurt. In this life, we mourn. And we should. In fact, Scripture says we should mourn together. We should hurt when others hurt. But that's temporary. Right? He's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to fix all those things that are broken here. That is our hope. And in verse 6, I love this. Jesus says, it is done. It is done. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. Meaning his job of, of, of coming and, and his role of giving his life for sin, when, one of his last words, it is finished. Right? But it's not completed yet. It will be done when Jesus returns. It's done. Right? There's, there's no more sin. There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. New heaven, new earth, glorified bodies. It is done. Now, people debate and wrestle with, is it going to be this earth remade or a totally new earth? Oh, no. <laughs> hey, I'll be honest. It's okay for us to look at Scripture and go, we're pretty sure this or that. But it's okay to say, I don't know. We don't have to know everything. Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think it's this earth. I think it's this earth remade made perfect, all aspects of the curse, gone. Goat heads, gone, <laughs> right? I, I'm not kidding. This earth remade, right? Um, we have, if you grow fruit trees, this year's a good, good year for fruit trees, right? Because we had all this water. Most years, not so much, you know? I mean, we've had apple trees and it's like every three years we get a good harvest. I, I think it's this earth with, with apple trees and these things, but they're gonna produce every year. Because sin and the curse is going to be removed. Why do I think that? Because God's general way of working through Scripture is redemption, right? Redeeming what is broken, not throwing it aside and giving something new, right? This body is the seed that will become something glorious. I believe this earth is the seed that will become something more glorious. Either way, though, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, a great place where we will eat and swim, and all those things. Because he says, it is done. It is done. <laughs> it's kind of like a, the idea of a, a C of O stamp. If you've ever built a house, and you've waited to move in, uh, the final inspection, they walk through, and they go, okay, we're done. And they sign it, and they're like, we can move in, right? That's, that's kind of the idea. We built a house in 2018. We lived in an RV, um, in the desert without water or power for six months. So think about that. Our girls getting ready for school and they'd get up in the morning like, ooh, the hot water heater didn't come on. It's gonna be a cold shower again. But the water is just in a bladder underneath. So 
It's a Navy shower. So, right, get wet, soap up, you know, turn the water off, soap up, turn it back on. And if you need your hair dry, you have to go outside and start the generator. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> then you can come in and blow dry your hair. And if it pops the breaker, you got to go outside and push the breaker button, come back in. If it, like, that was our life for six months, right? Scorpions coming in, right? Rattlesnakes, like in our, we called it shantytown. We had a fence around it. Six months, right? Dirty, thirsty, ugh. When the house was done, right? And the inspector did the final sign. It's like, it is done. Right? Everybody ran. I'm showering first, right? Ran to the house. That's kind of the picture, I think. When Christ returns, right? And he says, it is done. We're going to get these new bodies. We're going to run home. We're going to run home together with him forever. We will know each other, right? We'll recognize each other. We will have a new life for eternity, hope will be realized. What does this do for us now? So what? Right? Maybe you've heard it, people say they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. This should make us extremely earthly good because we have an eternal perspective. 10,000 years from now, when we are playing skee ball on, on, in our new, I don't know, but it's going to be 10,000 years from now when we're in God's presence and we look back, what are we going to think about our circumstance right now? Right? Uh, that job I lost, I look back, turned out not a big deal, right? A, a foreclosure, cancer, right? Look back from then. Oh, these things now are significant. The, the point of this isn't to look at now and go, oh, it's no big deal. That's not it at all. But an eternal perspective, then we can walk through these things now with an eternal perspective. How are we going to view it then? You know, as I've started working on this weeks ago, this has been on my mind. Life circumstance. What will I think about this in 10,000 years? Not a big deal. <laughs> right? Not a big, or 10,000 years from now, I look back, what would I have told myself to do different right now? Right? When I, I, again, when the check engine light comes on and I get frustrated or angry or, or anxious, whatever it is, like, ooh, check it. Why? What will I think about this when I'm in God's presence? Well, maybe I can think the same way now and act the way I would want myself to act looking back. That's what can do for us now. This hope, again, our decisions are driven by our hopes. What's our ultimate hope? It's secure, right? Nothing you can do to earn it, nothing you can do to lose it. We, we get it. And so now we can live in light of that hope. So with that in mind, let's read this creed one last time. Stand with me if you would, and let's read it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the grave. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we trust you. We believe you. We believe what you have said here in your word. Jesus, that you're going to come back. 
We hope, and our, our hope isn't a wishful thinking hope. Our hope is a confident assurance that Jesus, you're gonna come back. And when you do, we're gonna be glorified in new bodies where we can be in your presence, where we can worship you. All sin is removed, all pain, all cancer, all relational junk, all, all these desires for image, those are all gonna be gone. And we will rightly stand before you. And Holy Spirit, I beg of you now, stir our hearts to give us that eternal perspective, to give us that eternal hope that maybe some of these check engine lights are on in our lives. I, I, I pray, please show us those. Help us to recognize that and humbly, humbly give it to you. Humbly say, confess, God, I've had ultimate hopes that should be general hopes, but I want it to be only you and fill me with your peace and joy and confidence. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we continue to worship, I'm gonna be in the back here. If you're here and you go, I don't know what my ultimate hope is, right? Or maybe you heard this and go, I want that hope. I have never given my life to Jesus. Come talk to me. It would be my pleasure to share with you how you can have this hope and confidence. Let's sing.